Life happens to those who show up, and I'm glad you showed up with us today. I'm your host, Daniel Robert Sanchez, and welcome back to Mind Flow, a show to help you find your flow with short to the point concepts to help you tackle daily life challenges faster than it takes you to scroll through your social media accounts and maybe watch a few funny videos before realizing the reason why you picked up your phone in the first place was to see what time it was, but now you're running late and still don't know what time it is. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and join the show's Facebook group called Mindset Mecca for Daily Motivation and Transformation. Today's show is about a theory I had once upon a blue moon about the mechanics that go on behind the scenes when a person does or doesn't capitalize when an opportunity presents itself. And I call it the philosophy of opportunity. And I'm going to make it easy for you to absorb by chunking it into two sections. One is about habits that might block people from capitalizing on their opportunity. And the other is about a set of rules to follow to help you capitalize when opportunities land right in your lap. Okay, so let's get started. But first, I want you to do me a favor. From your eyes and through your perspective, I want you to think about, I don't know, maybe two or three things that you believe could block somebody from taking advantage of a golden, legitimate opportunity. All right, I bet you probably thought of way more than two or three because really, a block could come from pretty much almost anywhere. Now think about this question. What is your philosophy of opportunity like? Or if you don't have one, think about what your philosophy of opportunity would be like if you did. You know what? Let me just go ahead and start over because who asks questions like that anyway? (laughs) Most people ask questions like, what did you do this weekend? Or what are you going to watch tonight? Or did you see the fight last night or the game? (laughs) So I'm going to dial it down and take a few steps back for a bit so it's easier to digest what the philosophy of opportunity really means. Okay, so from the top, Napoleon Hill, the author of Think and Grow Rich, defines the word philosophy as, quote, Philosophy is a system of principles that defines your thoughts and actions and provides you with a code of ethics and a standard of values. End quote. Easy enough, right? Okay, next, thefreedictionary.com defines the word opportunity as this. Opportunity, a favorable or advantageous circumstance or set of circumstances. Okay, and now that I've broken those down, I'll go ahead and reframe the initial question like this. What are the principles that guide your actions and thoughts when you're presented with a favorable or advantageous circumstance. Meaning, what is your philosophy about opportunity? And the reason I'm asking is because most people, well, they really never even think about this. And if you learn it now, you'll be going into the world today or tomorrow with an upper hand. Okay, and here's the key to having that advantage. Basically, you won't take action unless your philosophy is in alignment with whatever opportunity comes along. Because when you do take action, whether you know it or not, it's because subconsciously, your belief system believes that whatever the opportunity is in some way, it's going to make your life better somehow. So it's safe to say if you don't have a philosophy or if you have a not so favorable philosophy, you're probably going to be missing out on a lot of life-changing opportunities. And if you're thinking, well, why would I ever let that happen to me? Or how could that ever happen to me? Well, if you can't recognize what your philosophy is, then what makes you think you're going to recognize a good opportunity when one comes along? And full disclaimer, this is my answer to the question right now, right here and in the moment. And I want to make it clear really quick that in each one of my podcasts, it's not my goal to force an agenda on you. And I'm not going to try to encourage you or anyone else to join a cult or even a religious or political organization. 
I only speak from the heart about things I work on every day in my own life. And I'm realistic. I know some of the things that I talk about might conflict with how you think or what you might believe in, but that's okay. My goal isn't to get people to agree with me, and that's okay too. You're never going to have to worry about me challenging you or trying to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong or that I have all of the answers because I don't. All I'm really doing here is making suggestions about principles and practices and philosophies that are important to me because they've either helped me in the past or they're helping me right now today. And honestly, the real answer to that question, what makes you think you'll recognize a good opportunity when one smacks you right in the face, is that it's different for everyone. And it'll never be the same because it's going to be different. Seriously, there's just too many variables involved with it. But if you get a microscope or you get a camera and you want to zoom in to an individual level, whatever the answer is going to be for each individual person, it's probably going to include one or both of these two weaknesses. And I call this weakness the habit of the impossible. It's really a habit that develops into weakness, and it happens when people suffer from always focusing on what they think is impossible. It's almost like an upside-down superpower or a backward skill set, and people take pride in it. You've probably heard it before and know people who do it all the time. Think about it. Can you think about one person or a couple of people that always think about the impossible? And they love telling you what can't be done. I know when I've brought this up in the past, even around a person who I thought didn't appear to have any of these habits, it kind of puts them on the defensive and it makes them mad. But when you think about it, what are they mad at? Are they really mad at me? No, they're really mad at themselves because they can identify or relate to some or most of those nuclear habits for always pointing out impossibilities. And don't get me wrong. I fully believe it's important to have skeptics or people that challenge the rules and laws and poke holes in things because it keeps us honest and we need those type of people in society. But in their defense, more times than not, when they get defensive, the question that I've heard the most sounds like this. Daniel, how can noticing obstacles or pointing out challenges be considered a weakness? Really good question. And when I get it, this is what I hit them with. It becomes a weakness when these two things happen. Number one, when always seeing the impossible becomes a habit. And number two happens when that habit only results to only talk and talk and talk and talk and no action. Think about that. Mash them together like a patty cake and throw them in the blender. And what do you get? You get something that started out to be something informative but actually ends up mutating into an endless bowl of complaint salad. Okay, and that's it for weakness one, so let's transition to weakness two. The second habit that I want to talk about today is what I call the habit of one perspective. This is a habit of judging everyone and everything based solely on your very own personal values and beliefs, which is fine. Until two things happen that turn it into a weakness. Number one, the first thing that happens is your quality of life diminishes because all of your thoughts and all of your decisions originate from a set of conditioned bias habits and thought processes. And the second thing happens as a byproduct from having a fixed thought process because what it does is it distorts the measuring stick you use to measure how good the quality of your life is. And when it backfires on you, you start measuring what's possible in your life based on defeat, poverty, and misery. 
Once you condition your mindset with a fixed and habitual thought process, you lock in only one perspective that will block you from doing more or becoming more because when you look at achievement or accomplishment, you can't see any possibilities that are beyond what you think and believe your limitations are. And if that's the case, if you're not presented with the perfect opportunity at the perfect time, at the perfect place that's within your level of comfort or your comfort zone, your default conditioned mental programming is going to shoot it down because it hasn't been programmed to recognize possibilities. It's only been programmed to have one perspective wired to identify only two things, impossibilities and limitations. All right, chew on that, let it sink in for a minute, and I'll be right back. Welcome back, and I don't know about you, but I'm feeling great today, which reminds me happiness is a choice, and I'm happy you decided to spend some time with us today. And now that I've broken down what the philosophy of opportunity means and talked about some habits that can block people from having a winning philosophy of opportunity, let's get to the good stuff. Now, I want to share three rules that I have for capitalizing when an opportunity presents itself. First, I want to share a saying that I came across not too long ago, and I'm pretty excited because I finally get to share it with you. And it goes like this. Our mess is our message, and our tests are our testimonies. Mm, that's good stuff, right? And I'm going to squirrel off here for just a second. Squirrel! Because the first time I heard this, it moved me. It reminds me about why I do this. And a common compliment that I get from people that have heard the show and that I talk to is that they appreciate that I practice what I preach. And I share my personal stories because they're down to earth and they're real life experiences. And honestly, I want to take just a minute to thank you all for that positive feedback and encouragement because being vulnerable and sharing my weaknesses and my mishaps and letting you in for a sneak peek behind the curtain, behind the mic and behind the screens, it's not easy. And it was scary at first, but not anymore. And at the end of the day, it's kind of therapeutic. It allows me to get things off my chest and out of my mind and out into the universe. It's good for my mind and my spirit. So I guess what I'm really trying to say, especially to those macho guys and those OGs out there, sharing your stories and sharing your experiences and being vulnerable in front of people isn't a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about your failures and your blind spots. And it's okay not to be perfect. Really, it's okay. Well, now that I let that out, let's keep moving. And here are the three rules I pieced together over the last, I don't know, four or five years that are the foundation of my philosophy of opportunity. Oh, and to be clear, the only way these rules work is by following them in order. So don't skip around. It won't work. Rule number one. Stay ready so you never have to get ready. The reality is, real opportunities aren't packaged and delivered perfectly to your door. Real opportunities show up when you least expect it at the most unexpected time. So, you've got to be ready for them because literally, they pop out of nowhere. And to be ready so you don't have to get ready, you have to be consistent at these six steps. Number one, preparing for the next day. Number two, following through with your morning rituals, three, spending at least 30 minutes a day learning about something in your profession or what you like or what your passion is, and number four, doing something each day for your health, number five, doing something each day to focus on strengthening your mindset, and number six, all of this 
You have to do all of this even on your days off. Your next opportunity might tap you on the shoulder while you're waiting in line at your favorite coffee shop, or when you pull over to ask directions, or when you're at the gym, or when you're at work or at a restaurant. You have to be consistent and you have to be intentional about the way you approach each and every day, and about the way you communicate with the people you know, and even more importantly, the people you don't know. And always show up, no matter where you are or where you go, show up and be present. And rule number two, be decisive. Andrew Carnegie was one of the richest people in the world in the early 1900s. And not only was he considered the king of the American steel industry at that time, but he was also one of the first one percenters to openly share best practices about personal philosophies with average people. In fact, he's the person that hired Napoleon Hill to write Think and Grow Rich. And in that book, the first lesson that Hill writes about is Carnegie's mindset about decision-making. Now I'm paraphrasing a bit, but check this out. When Carnegie made an offer to someone, he would withdraw the offer if that person didn't make a decision within 60 seconds. Sounds kind of harsh, right? But Carnegie didn't become wealthy and stay wealthy or become the richest man in the world by accident. It was because of his personal philosophies and his mindset and his beliefs. And this is what he said about decision-making. Quote, A man who cannot make a decision promptly, once he has all of the necessary facts, cannot be depended upon to carry through with a decision he may make. End quote. And this is how I took that quote and turned it into rule number two. Once you master rule number one, now it's safe to start practicing rule number two in that order because rule number one will set you up so you can apply rule number two at the most opportune moment. You're going to have to keep your eyes open because opportunities are always presenting themselves. They're everywhere. It's inevitable. It's unquestionable and it's predictable. You will be presented with another opportunity. And when that happens, it shouldn't matter that it popped up out of nowhere and that it's a bad time or that it's the wrong place. All that matters is that you're ready for it. And when it does pop up, then you have to make a decision. You have to decide. And here's how to make that choice easy for you. If that opportunity is in alignment with your personal philosophies, your values and your beliefs, or your passion, or that long-term vision you have down the road, then pull the trigger. Don't pump fake and don't hesitate. If it makes sense to you, to your family, and in your heart, then do it. Say yes. Say yes fast, say yes with authority, and say yes in less than 60 seconds. Just do it. All right, let's move on to the last rule. Rule number three. You ready? Master rule number one and master rule number two. Boom. And that's it. There you have it. That's a wrap for today. When it comes down to learning what your philosophy of opportunity looks like, Keep an eye out for those negative habits, the habit of the impossible, and the habit of one perspective. And master the three rules for capitalizing once an opportunity presents itself. And you'll start making the impossible possible. And two episodes that I recommend that are related to this one are episode 26, Reframe Your Relationship with Failure, 
This is the perfect complement to discovering your very own philosophy of opportunity because it focuses on turning your upsets into skill sets. And then check out episode 25, Breakout of Self-Doubt. You're going to love this one too because adding this episode to your philosophy of opportunity sandwich is going to teach you how to stay out of your own way. So check them out, send them to someone you love and care about, and keep learning to find your flow. Peace!